This episode features dramatizations of gore and harm against minors and animals, as well as references to domestic violence, sexual assault, bestiality, and post-traumatic stress. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of Hercules, Minos, or the Cretan bull. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Greek legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me as we continue our quest for penance with Hercules and his 12 labors. He's killed two legendary monsters, captured two more, mucked out some stables, and played scarecrow for some very frightening birds. Next, he'll hunt a monster through the streets of one of Greece's greatest cities. Last week, we covered Hercules' defeat of the Stymphalian birds with the help of Athena and Hephaestus. This week, Hercules heads south to meet the Minoans. You might know them from the stories of Icarus, Daedalus, Theseus, and the Minotaur, but you're about to meet the monster that started it all. Coming up, we journey to the mythic isle of Crete, where a terrifying beast awaits. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. The island of Crete is around 200 miles south of Athens, but to many ancient Greeks, it might as well have been the moon. The journey across the Mediterranean was unruly, even at the best of times. To ensure a safe passage, every coastal city-state paid tribute to Poseidon, the god of seas and storms. Unfortunately, King Minos of Crete didn't follow the rules. Though he promised he would sacrifice whatever creature emerged on his shore, Poseidon tested him. 
The Triton god sent him a bull, but not just any bull. It was the largest, most majestic animal anyone had ever seen. Minos's heart broke at the thought of killing it. He sent the bull out of the city and sacrificed a lesser bull instead. Poseidon was not pleased. The sea god cursed Minos's wife, Pasiphae, with lust for the beast Minos spared. They mated, and she gave birth to the Minotaur, a man with the head of a bull. Minos was angry about the affair and shut the Minotaur away in a great labyrinth. Meanwhile, the Minotaur's bull father grew restless, trapped with his handlers. And bulls are dangerous. When they're agitated, they will charge at any sign of motion, especially this bull, who Poseidon had filled with rage and a thirst for revenge. He escaped and rampaged around the countryside. Minos sent soldiers, but the bull ran them off, goring anything that moved. Then the bull grew tired of the country. He had consumed all of the grass. The farmers had fled. But Poseidon's desire for vengeance still burned within him. It would not let him rest, so he sought out a new hunting ground, Crete's capital city, Knossos. The bull pawed at the stone, but the wall refused to move. He continued forward, growing increasingly frustrated at the stillness. He could hear movement inside, shouting, wagons and chariots. He could smell blood. He had to enter. Unfortunately, the walls of colorful Knossos were too high. The bull grunted, his agony growing. But he would continue circling until he found an opening. In the distance, he could see the painted bricks of Minos's palace. That was the ultimate target. If he could only get to the king, Poseidon's enemy would be destroyed. And then, finally, the bull would be free. All he wanted was to return to the ocean. He pawed again, finally feeling something softer, wood. He felt the slightest chance of release. There was a chain on the door, but that didn't matter. He pushed again. The north gate of the city creaked open ever so slightly. It was all the bull needed. He charged, smashing through the wood like it was thin clay. Suddenly, he was in the capital, with its three-story stone buildings, plazas, and winding streets. The buildings were covered in elaborate geometric patterns of earthen red, sunlight yellow, and deep sea blue. Normally so happy and vibrant. But when the bull entered, the humans scattered and screamed. He galloped behind stalls, then over them, trampling and tearing through flesh. He picked the humans off one by one, reveling in the chaos. The streets flowed red. His rage streamed out of him. For a moment, the bull felt peace, until a group of men surrounded him. They carried gleaming metal shields and long, thin spears. They brandished their weapons at the bull, but he was too fast. He lowered his head and charged, meeting their shields with his razor-sharp horns. When he tossed his head back, the men flew into the air like tufts of grass. 
they hit the ground behind him with a satisfying crunch. All went still. The gate and guardhouse lay in ruins. Blood and viscera clung to the bull's skin. He did his best to rub the bulk of it off on the wall, but the itch to destroy was growing in him again. He needed to keep moving. His hooves clacked loudly on the stone streets. He weaved his way through the city, charging at any sign of life. The citizens of Gnosis cowered in their homes. King Minos hid in his palace. This was the bull's city now. But after three days of terror, he was running out of things to eat again. There was no grass. The produce he'd found in the market was gone. He nibbled at the corpses, but he was hungry all the time, which only made him angrier. The blood dried and became itchy on his skin. He headed out to the sea to wash it off, but each time he tried to enter the water, cries of rage filled his head. It was as if the ocean was telling him he wasn't allowed to return to his creator. Poseidon had given him a job to do, and he had not completed it. He didn't know how to find Minos's palace. He would need to smash through every building, but destroying objects never soothed his rage, only spilling blood. He was running out of people to kill. He needed an army to destroy, or perhaps a monster from a rival god. If he brought enough glory to Poseidon, perhaps he could finally go home. The bull heard a crash and turned. In the dimming light of sunset, he could see a man standing on the docks. He was fiddling with a rope and staring right at him. Rage crackled inside the bull, but also joy. There was a lot of blood in this man. He wasn't like the others. He was taller, broader. In fact, if you asked the bull what a human version of him would have looked like, he would certainly have picked this person. But there was something else about him that the bull had never seen before. He had a lion's pelt wrapped around his shoulders. Coming up, Hercules arrives to clean up the mess. Robbing trains, rustling cattle. Pop culture usually depicts the Old West as an uncharted land with no rules. But how much of that is true? Now you can find the facts, learn the lore, and tackle the tallest of tales in the Spotify original from ParCast, Wild Wild West. Every Thursday on Spotify, Settle up to the saloon to hear about the American frontier's most ruthless outlaws and heroic gunslingers. Wild Wild West features a compilation of episodes from shows across ParCast Network and focuses on the legends that help shape American culture. From sharpshooters and explorers to family feuds and lost treasure, the West has a history more complex than you know. Don't be a yellow belly. Follow Wild Wild West free and only on Spotify. Now back to the story. The noonday sun was high overhead as Hercules stood on the deck of a ship bound for Crete. 
A small but beautiful owl sat on his shoulder. He was trying to be subtle as he talked to it. The ship was crowded and he didn't need any rumors saying he was hallucinating again. Athena didn't care. This bull is bigger and angrier than anything you've faced. Don't get trampled or gored or thrown into a building. And it's attracted to movement, so if you do freeze up, you might be fine. Hercules rolled his eyes. I love the new supportive you. Athena opened her wings. You're gaining on Theseus for my favorite, really. Imagine if you actually read a scroll once in a while, the things you could do. Hercules groaned. Maybe I should focus on getting an additional patron. And how will you do that? Athena replied. Hercules eyed the approaching shore. After I capture the bull, Eurystheus will sacrifice it to Hera, our siblings will be so impressed and know my glory. They'll be lining up to help me out, and I bet they don't speak in riddles. He smirked at her. Think you could share me? The owl stuck out its tongue at him. That won't go the way you think. Then Athena flew off into the sun. Hercules didn't care if Athena was upset. He was more than halfway through the labors now. He deserved a little glory, and he could use a little more help. Hercules disembarked in Knossos and waved goodbye to the ship's captain. As he headed up the dock and towards the city gates, a few sailors rambled behind him, talking about the city's wine. But when they turned the corner, they all went quiet. The north gate of Knossos was a pile of rubble. Limbs peeked out from beneath it, bloated and swollen. The liquid seeping from their bodies was putrid. Hercules spoke slowly, still trying to understand how this could have happened. They've been here a while, do you think? He turned back towards the sailors, but they'd gone running in the other direction. Hercules sighed and continued on. It wasn't the first time he'd had to face a monster alone. At first, Hercules couldn't understand how an accident like this hadn't been cleaned up. But when he walked into the town, he understood. The streets were empty. The alleys were littered with more bodies. Several of the exterior walls were splattered with blood. The bull had destroyed the city. He wandered for hours trying to find it or any surviving human, but for a while he saw nothing and found no one. Finally, as the sun sunk across the sky, he heard a whisper come out of a stone house. Quick, in here! Hercules dashed into the dark house. An olive-skinned woman pulled him into a room away from the windows. She glanced at the lion pelt slung across Hercules' shoulders. You're here to slay the bull, yes? Hercules was beginning to think slaying might be the wisest course of action, but he needed to bring it back to Eurystheus. He needed the glory. Something like that. She eyed the doorway to her front room. My foolish husband went to our stall in the Agora to recover what he could. You must help me. 
Hercules gently pushed her away. I'm not in the business of retrieving husbands, but I'll take care of that bull for you if you tell me where to go. The woman's face fell, resigned. The beach, it sleeps on the beach, but no one can get close to it. Hercules stood up and adjusted his pack. Lucky I'm not no one, huh? Then he headed back the way he came. Twilight fell. The beach was unnervingly empty, except for some large rocks. All the fishing nets and crab traps lay abandoned. Again, he saw nothing, until he noticed one of the rocks was breathing. There, on the sand just ten feet away from him, was the bull. Hercules was so close, he was surprised the bull hadn't seen him coming, but it had its back to him, staring at the sea. Hercules tiptoed ever so slightly closer. Flies buzzed around its head and back. It was bathed in blood. Small chunks of intestines were stuck to its horns. Hercules had half a mind to dunk it in the sea before getting down to the real fight, but he supposed he could also do that after he'd tied the thing down. He pulled out his rope, widening the loop to accommodate the bull's massive size. Hercules planned to crouch behind another boulder and watch it for a while, determining the bull's strength and weaknesses. But he saw the bull's ear turn slightly before giving its tail a quick but languid flick. It had noticed something. The beast turned slowly towards him, stepping gingerly in the wet sand. Man and animal locked eyes for one sliver of a second. Hercules leaned back on his right foot. Then the bull lowered its head and charged. Hercules clocked his surroundings. The docks were filled with obstacles to slow the bull down, but that also meant a fight at close quarters. No, he needed to find an open space or something so small the bull couldn't fit now. Hercules turned and took off running for the town. The bull thundered close behind him. He tried to take the narrowest alleys so it couldn't squeeze through, but it didn't matter that the street wasn't wide enough for the bull. It made it wide enough. Hercules could hear the heaving of its breath behind him. The building beside him wobbled on its foundation as the bull pounded its way forward. Hercules dodged the falling bricks and dove through a tight gap between the buildings. He tumbled into the moonlit Agora. The plaza was a mess of splintered wood and broken bodies. Most of the stalls were smashed in or trampled. Hercules remembered the woman he'd met earlier and glanced around for her husband, but didn't see him anywhere. Luckily, because the bull crashed through the wall behind him. It barreled forward, head low, horns pointed straight at him. Hercules stood in front of one of the broken stalls. Fighting head-on was his only option. If he could get a hold of the bull's horns, forcing the beast into submission would just be a matter of physics. But the bull was too fast. 
It closed the distance four times faster than Hercules expected. He threw himself to the side. The bull crashed into the stall behind him. Hercules had hoped that would stun the beast, but it only shook the broken boards off its head. It turned to look at him, eyes blazing. Hercules remembered what Athena said about motion. He fought every instinct he had and forced himself to stand still. It worked. The bull eyed him, then pawed at the ground as if confused. Hercules relaxed. Now all he had to do was swing his rope around its hooves and secure it. But then it turned its head to the other side of the agora, where a man dragged a stone pot towards the alleyway. The husband, he was foolish. The man froze, glancing from Hercules to the bull and back. Hercules whispered through gritted teeth, Don't move. It won't attack you if you don't move. The man's eyes went wide. He froze, but his hands trembled. His nerves would knock over the pot if he wasn't careful and set off the bull. Hercules would need to distract it if this man was going to survive. Hercules shouted across the plaza, Hey! The bull turned again, steam pouring from its nostrils. Hercules stayed frozen, but the bull knew he was there. It bellowed angrily. Suddenly, Hercules realized it was going to take two of them to best this bull. They would have to take turns attracting it. But Hercules also didn't have time to explain the strategy. He called out, What's your name? The bull pawed at the ground again, muscles rippling as it prepared to charge. The foolish husband said nothing, and the bull rushed towards Hercules. He dodged, throwing himself into a pile of debris. The bull set up to charge him again. Hercules looked left and right. The mound of debris was too tall to scale. He was trapped. The bull charged. Hercules froze. Then the man's voice echoed across the agora. Hero! My name's Hero! The bull turned its back to Hercules, searching for the sound. It was all Hercules needed. He launched himself at the bull from behind, muttering all the while, Of course your name is Hero. He grabbed the bull's left horn and pulled. Once Hercules had a grip on something, he never let go. He yanked the horns backwards and then down. The beast groaned and struggled, but Hercules ground its head against the cobblestones. Its back arched upward like a very uncomfortable dog. Hercules turned its head one more time. The bull laid on its side, panting. Hercules roped it quickly, then leaned against it. Hero cautiously approached. But what will you do with it? Hercules looked out towards the water. Getting it across the Mediterranean wouldn't be an easy feat, but the look on Eurystheus's face when he dragged it into the palace would be worth it. Hercules looked back at the man, saying, Sacrifice it to the gods. Coming up, Hercules comes face to face with a monster from his past. Now, back to the story. 
Hercules was well-practiced in presenting monsters to his cousin, King Eurystheus. After a successful crossing back to the Peloponnese, Hercules hoisted the bull up onto his back and carried him to the palace. When the pair arrived, the court was shocked. Eurystheus pointed, Place the bull before the dais there. Do not let go. Hercules laughed to himself. Eurystheus was still scarred from the one time Hercules let a deer loose. Of course not, Majesty. May I ask what you plan to do with the creature? Eurystheus smiled. Sacrifice it to Hera, of course, since you still owe me for the hind. Hercules feigned innocence. Oh, that was a misunderstanding, Highness. He gestured to the subdued bull. As you can see, it won't happen again. Eurystheus nodded. Good. Notify the temple. You will join us, Hercules, as we honor Hera. Hercules smiled. Everything was happening exactly as he intended. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Hera's temple was large and grand. Hercules had never been inside it for obvious reasons. He didn't enjoy giving offerings to a goddess who wanted to destroy him. But this sacrifice was great enough to draw the attention of all gods, not just Hera. He would gain glory in the eyes of his divine siblings. Perhaps they would be impressed enough to help him in his fight against Hera. Hercules stood towards the back of the congregation. Hera's high priestesses received the bull, washed it, and prepared it for sacrifice. Servants prepared for a celebratory feast, and Eurystheus looked on with the excitement of a small child. Hercules was amused by it, but he felt hope, too. The priestesses chanted. The head priestess placed the blade against the bull's neck. Divine help was only one slash away. But then, a booming voice echoed through the hall. It was warm, strong, and to Hercules, unnervingly familiar. You disappoint me, Eurystheus. A deep cold overtook his body. That voice had haunted his dreams for over a year now. It was the voice that had made him hurt his wife and children. Hera. Suddenly, the world around him and Eurystheus stopped. The singing priestess's mouths hung open, their chanting abruptly stopped. The servants had frozen mid-preparation. Flour hung suspended in the air. Wine froze mid-pour. The blade hovered over the bull's neck, pregnant with potential. Hera, the mother goddess herself, strolled among the inanimate crowd. Her purple dress swished around her strong legs. She kept her focus on Eurystheus, stopping only to give Hercules a raised brow and an, ah, you. She considered the bull with a look of disgust on her face, then glared at Eurystheus. I did not ask for this, she said. You asked to capture the bull goddess. We are slaying it for you. Hera's voice boomed, and in doing so, you are glorifying him, whose name I shall not speak. Hercules tensed. He did not want to honor Hera any more than she wanted to glorify him. 
it was the rest of the gods whose favor he hoped to win, not hers. He wanted Eurystheus to give the final call, to slit the bull's throat. But Hera continued. You would glorify him in the same breath that you glorify me. I will not be bound to an idiotic barbarian, one with all of my husband's worst qualities. Hercules felt a well of rage grow inside him, deep as the bulls beneath the knife. Eurystheus nodded again and again. Of course, goddess, what would you like me to do with the beast? Hera waved her hand dismissively. I don't care. Send it to Marathon. Some hero will clean it up, I'm sure. Hercules moved his hand towards his quiver. There was no room to draw his bow, but if he could get even a little bit of hydra poison on his tormentor, it would be worth it. A hand touched his back. He paused and turned. Athena had returned to him. You can't win yet, Hercules. Not until the labors are done. Hercules grunted. He'd shoot an arrow at her, too, but then he wouldn't have any help at all. Athena whispered, Consider this creature at your feet. See what happens when you choose revenge without looking? Time and place matter, Hercules. You're hurting, but you're growing, too. Five more labors. What's five more if you can join your family in Elysium? This is the only way. Hercules's heart ached. He'd been brave enough to dream of a world where he didn't have to bow and scrape to the mother goddess or her minions, where he didn't have to finish the labors, where he was given glory. But Athena was right. There was no shortcut. He could not attack Hera outright. He could only try to outlast her. He felt an owl's talons on his shoulder. Come on, it's gonna be fun. Hercules whispered, well, if it's gonna be fun. But still, he let his hand fall away from his quiver. There would be no poison from him today. He watched Hera glide back into the crowd and the rest of the temple spring back to life. No one but he and Eurystheus had witnessed the goddess's appearance. He shared an uneasy look with his cousin. Then he spoke. So, Majesty, what's next? Eurystheus eyed the bull. Take the beast to Marathon and leave it. Hercules looked down at the bull. The bull looked back at him. In that moment, he felt more kin to the bull than his cousin. Hercules hoisted it up on his back. Your revenge will come, my friend, and then you can rest. Hercules marched towards the sea. For the first time, he felt the bull relax. Animal sacrifice was a central part of ancient Greek religion. While sheep and goats were sometimes used, cows and bulls were most common. The more impressive the animal, the greater the sacrifice to the god. Sacrificing a monster to a deity was a sign of great devotion, but it also granted fame to the monster's capturer. So, of course, Hera would refuse the sacrifice of the Cretan bull. 
To accept it would be to glorify Hercules. Yet if offering the wrong sacrifice to a god was bad, failing to deliver on a promised sacrifice was worse. When Minos refused to kill Poseidon's bull, he was showing his greed. The bull's rampage of Crete was the consequence. The Minoans used the legend of the Cretan bull as a morality tale. If they favored greed over their gods, they would be as exposed as animals left to the mercy of destructive forces like the vengeful bull. Of course, the consequences of greed don't always take the form of a rampaging monster. The Cretan bull teaches us a lesson that Hercules knew well. Our worst instincts, whether greed, vengeance, or rage, are potent forces for evil all on their own. As humans, rather than beasts, we must do our best to control them, or risk becoming monsters ourselves. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with our last foray into Hercules' labors, the Mares of Diomedes. But that episode is more than a conclusion to Hercules' adventures. It also begins our next series, Nightmare Creatures. So sleep while you can. If you'd like to hear more about the Minotaur and the Minoans, be sure to check out one of my other shows, Mythology. We continue the story in the adventures of Theseus. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jen Rache, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Nora Battelle, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey, partners, it's Carter from Parcast. You've probably heard stories about outlaw Jesse James, sharpshooter Annie Oakley, and the horrors of the Donner Party. But how much of what you've heard is actually true? Find out on my new series, Wild Wild West, where I head out on the frontier to find the facts, learn the lore, and tackle the tallest of tales. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Wild Wild West, every Thursday, free, and only on Spotify.